I'll stay on the porch Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Blow the whistle Where you get that from? Grab a mic, spit one Let me hit that blind Pimp C, 8 ball and MJG Keep spitting that B to the IMP Bun B, that's Texas, baby Ballin' G, that's Memphis, baby Short dog, that's Business and Buckets we are live, episode 121, coming at you on this beautiful Wednesday morning in the Phoenix desert. And uh, we got a stacked show today, the huge, much-anticipated John Jones return to the heavyweight division. I mean, John's Bones Jones, the GOAT. He's back, can't wait. Uh, break that down. We also had the Fight Night Vegas Apex card we'll chat about, some things that are going on in the MMA world. Uh, but before we talk fights, we're going to talk the one and only sponsor here at Business of Buckets, and that is Fueled Supplements. So, fellas, performance is at the top of the list in all categories of our lives. That's why you need counterattack from Fueled Supplements. Their advanced on-cycle and post-cycle standalone formula is so much better than the average testosterone booster. Counterattack combats estrogen production, supports liver, kidney, and heart health, as well as boosts sex drive, energy levels, and lean muscle mass. So let's face it, we all want to feel like a young, energized version of ourselves, so increase vitality inside and outside the gym with Counterattack. The missus will thank you guys for it. So don't wait, head to FueledSupplements.com, enter promo code BUCKETS for 15% off. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. And like I always say, if you're out there, you're buying supplements, you're trying to be healthy, just Type in fieldsupplements.com, save some money when doing so, help small business, that's what it's all about, versus going into the GNCs, helping the big corporations. And, uh, you know, I've been rocking field supplements uh, since I started the pod. Uh, shout out Josh Morin and team, and super excited to see what the new year brings as we rebrand, lots of exciting stuff, so stay tuned, it's coming soon. Um, but before we talk <clears throat> the, the huge fight slate that we have, uh, break down my past week. Uh, it's been a fun one. Been hosting. Had some friends uh, over for spring training. Got to do four spring training days back to back to start the spring training season. Um, more of an interesting spring training this year since the WBC is here, which is basically the uh, Olympics of baseball. It's the World Baseball Classic. You have pool play, and then you go into a tournament style to see who the champion is. Team USA is stacked. Y'all can thank Mike Trout for that. Um, Japan's really good with Shohei Otani. Showtime. Um, the Dominican is stacked. Absolutely stacked. I'm going to go catch one of those games with my cousins when they come. I have like four different parties coming through the, the new crib here in Phoenix. So super excited for that. And, you know, spring training has been an, an awesome experience. First time since I was a kid being around the players, getting autographs. It's just a whole vibe. If you haven't done spring training, I highly recommend it. Got to catch some dingers. Uh, try to get a trout autograph, but that's really, really tough. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, as much as I've enjoyed baseball, I've just had the John Jones fight in the back of my mind, and I, I just really can't wait to see him at heavyweight. Um, the last time he fought was against Tiago Santos. I was there in person, international fight week. For my birthday uh, with a good buddy and, you know, one of the more spectacular things I've ever done in person. Have thought about going to the fights this next weekend, 
Uh, but I have family here, and the ticket price is pretty steep. And if I'm going to go to UFC anymore, I'm going to try to get better seats. It's about 300 or so for nosebleeds, which aren't a terrible seat. But I'm trying to be in the 100 level, you know what I mean? You, you dig? So, uh, some fights booked. We got Gabe Green versus Jake Matthews, May 13th. That should be a high-level affair. Big, big fight for both of those guys. These May cards are starting to get filled out. We also have Edmund Shabazian and Anthony Hernandez scrapping May 20th. That's an amazing fight. Uh, Anthony Hernandez has been up and down. Edmund Shabazian, really high prospect, trying to keep that momentum train chugging along. And then the big, big dogs. We got Sergey Pavlovich, Curtis Blades, April 22nd. I mean, Curtis Blades said, what do I got to do to get the title? I got to fight Pavlovich. Bring him in. And uh, Pavlovich is a straight assassin. He's even actually supposedly the backup heavyweight in case Cyril Gunn or John Jones pulls out this weekend. That's how highly the UFC thinks of him as he's been the Terminator. We have the battle of the P Petros. We got Andre Petrosky, Armin Petrosian, UFC 288, which was just announced to be in New Jersey. Um, I can't remember the name of the arena, but it's going to be going down in New Jersey. Big time pay-per-view. Big moment for both of these uh, young fighters, Ultimate Fighter and Contender Series alums. We have Abdul Razak Al-Hassan versus Bruno Fiera, May 20th. Bruno after the huge knockout win of my guy, Robocop Rodriguez, taking on another assassin. All that means is it's going to be a banger. Can't wait. Uh, we got Cody Stamen, Douglas Silva de Andrade on May 13th. High-level bantamweight affair there of a, a couple vets. And then, you know, Brian Barbarina, always doing Barbarina-ish things. He says, I'll step in short notice for D-Rod. I'll take on Gunnar Henderson. Another pay-per-view affair. Watching him fight in person is a show. So I would assume this one's going to be a banger for sure. And then outside the UFC, we had some stuff happen um, across Bellator. I did not watch this live. I was at spring training and uh, went to an innings festival which was headlined by Green Day, Weezer, The Offspring. Seeing The Offspring live was, was pretty sweet. Saw them all for the first time. And, uh, you know, I'll break down a, a few fights here, but I don't think there was anything spectacular happening in 291. Uh, the, big, the big headliner was Yaroslav Amosov, 27-0 undefeated fighter, defeating a very good Logan Storley via unanimous decision. That's for the welterweight championship. So Amosov is, is taking Bellator by storm. And then we had Logan Bryce defeat Peter Quelly via second-round TKO. Uh, Peter Quelly, just a big name, has the amazing zombie walkout. And, uh, you know, you, you want to root for him, but tough second-round TKO loss there. And upcoming, we have Bellator 292, March 10th in San Jose. The reason I bring that up, I'm actually rocking his swag today. But we got Bryce Meredith, the Misfit Mafia, uh, making his Bellator debut, been trying to get fights. Nobody wants to mess with him. A, a great collegiate background. And uh, working on his boxing skills here in the Phoenix area at the MMA Lab with a bunch of dogs. And I can't wait to see what he does in Bellator. Hopefully make some slight work in a couple bouts and signs with the Ultimate Fighting Championships because that's what it's all about. And you already know that's on Bryce, the back of Bryce's mind. And we also had Tyson Fury 
or not Tyson Fury, Tommy Fury defeating Jake Paul via split decision. I did not preview this. I forgot this was even happening. Uh, it seems like it was supposed to happen. It was more hyped up the previous times, uh, but it was actually a good fight. I did watch this at the spring training game. You know, really, you think about it, you got a Disney YouTuber fighting a real pro boxer who's been around boxing his whole life. Obviously, the last name speaks for itself. And he he battled. He knocked him down in the eighth, a clean knockdown. Um, I did think Tommy won the fight. He was just able to, when Jake has that wide, like Conor McGregor stance, with so much weight on the front foot, he was jabbing him apart. You could see some good connections there. I do expect a rematch. Who knows what's going on with this whole whole ordeal. I know Jake Paul KSI has been, been hyped up, but Tommy Fury out there putting some respect on his name and, and Jake Paul with the, the toughest bout to his, uh, uh, his amateur career or young career, I guess. He's not an amateur. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he does next. But we had UFC Fight Night Vegas 70. I went 7-1. We're on a heater. Uh, we had nice wins by Joe Selecki. Round two submission via rear naked choke. That was performance of the night. These are some fights we did not break down, but showed out, and some names that are 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 worth tuning into. Yeah, Jordan Levitt with a round one knockout, first knockout, I believe, in his pro fighting career. He gets a performance of the night. 50 G's goes around. Uh, Dana White contender series, Trevor Peak with a round one knockout. Uh, not necessarily the most textbook knockout. He was coming out with like a flurry of running, spinning backhands and back fists and hammer fists. It was, uh, I think he was seeing red, but he gets the finish and he gets 50 racks. Uh, Mike Mallett, round one submission via arm triangle choke. Performance of the night, really good uh, uh, performance by him. Um, and in the, you know, the, the Debbie Downer of the day was the main event, Nikita Krylov, Ryan Spann postponed. It's been rescheduled for March 11th. I believe Ryan Spann had an illness. I'm assuming COVID. That's what happened with the Derek Lewis last fight. But that'll be happening here in a couple weeks. Uh, but bummer to see. Um, I had an underdog parlay hit everyone. And the span definitely took away some of the winnings. But we hot out here. Watch out as we have a fun, fun betting card. These big pay-per-view cards are hard money makers. And I always just seem to be riding the dogs. But we'll see what we have in store. Um, but the fights we did break down. A really good prelim affair. We had Odie Osborne with a split decision victory over Charles Johnson. And your underdog's hitting. Try to tell y'all. Uh, I couldn't believe Odie was a, a plus underdog here. Although a very close bout and Charles has been looking good. But the big surprise here was that Odie was able to wrestle and grapple and, and hang with Charles in that department for multiple rounds. It took advantage of him as Charles started gassing in the third round. It seemed like he had a little bit better cardio. Uh, you could clearly tell Odie was a faster striker, more light on his feet, but Charles is savvy. He, he's definitely built some confidence in the UFC and this was a great fight. Uh, I'm not surprised by the split decision and, uh, glad that Odie was able to, to take victory. I thought we would have saw a finish. Um, and I was surprised that he went to take down, uh, Charles in the third round, get the victory, but this is a huge moment for him. He's on the momentum train. Uh, statistically Odie landed 50 total strikes, 48 of those significant he had three takedowns, although in 10 attempts, so not very good percentage. But Odie with three takedowns against a grappler, that, that, that's, a, that's a big show out. And Charles landed 74 total strikes, 60 of those significant. He had a takedown as well in five attempts. So not, you know, good takedown defense by these guys. And thinking back, 
if you told me that were those like good 10 attempts by Odie and five by Charles? Not really. I, I would say probably cut those in half, but Odie does start a new winning streak. He is two and one since the beginning of 2022. Uh, Charles has his two fight winning streak come to an end. He starts another losing streak, but he's been active with two fights this calendar year in 2023 already. But what's next? I mean, give me Odie and Alan Nascimento. That's a scrap. And how about Charles versus David Dvorak? I think those would be evenly matched uh, affairs and fan-friendly. Let's keep the flyweight momentum going. Give these guys the credit. Not that long ago, the UFC was thinking about scrapping that division. You could thank Henry Cejudo, Triple C, for that. And he's returning soon, too. Moving into the main card, another big return to the octagon. Tatiana Suarez with a round two submission via uh, guillotine choke over Montana De La Rosa. Performance of the night, 50 racks. Welcome back. And, uh, you know, this was a, a, a grappling affair as you'd expect. Tatiana's fighting in a heavier weight class in her, in her return. She said she does plan on going down to straw weight. And she's fighting a very competent fighter that's been in the top 15. And uh, Montana was pretty confident she was going to be able to grapple with her. When Tatiana was able to uh, get good takedown looks, she was pulling guard, was confident with her jiu-jitsu. Uh, but Tatiana is just a big girl with a, a, a tremendous gas tank, and she just keeps moving forward. I mean, this was pretty heavily scrapped. There wasn't a lot of strikes. Um, the big thing really here is uh, two weeks in a row with wardrobe issues. Um, Jessica Andrade explained, you know, not necessarily trying to say this is why she lost the fight, but in the grappling exchange with Blanchfield, the shoulder had pulled up her sports bra. Breasts had come out. Montana was up against the cage in the clinch and dang near same situation. So she had reached out to social media telling Venom to get a fix. And, you know, this has happened a few times. I think there's definitely a fix for it. But, I, you know, I'm not an expert in this category by any means. I don't really know what the solution is going to be. But that's got to be tough. And especially seeing that as a uh, as a fighter, watching the fights, that probably gets in your mind like, oh man, I do not want that to happen. But uh, Montana looked good as well against a very good Tatiana Suarez. Uh, this was just a fun matchup, high, high IQ. And you break down the stats, like I said, it was, it was pretty grapple heavy. Tatiana landed 37 total strikes, only 10 of those significant. She did have two takedowns, although six attempts, so uh, not a very good uh, percentage there. And then she had the submission attempt. And Montana landed 36 total strikes, only five of those significant. Now, Tatiana, as you know, is undefeated. First win in her return since June of 2019. In the post-fight conference, you could see the emotion hit her hard. Uh, big moment. Um, uh, props to, I believe it was Bisbeing or Paul that let her have some time on the mic in her return. Uh, but you could just tell she's super excited to be back. And obviously, she dates a, a, a high-level Bellator fighter and Patchy Mix. So she's around it all the time. But she does extend her winning streak to nine. Six of those have been in the UFC. And she enters the flyweight rankings at 13. She is officially back. Now, Montana extends her losing streak to two and has not won since June of 2021. So she's definitely in a skid, but looked to, uh, I thought performed really well, and I'm sure we'll see her back with some momentum. But what's next? I think uh, Montana versus Luana Carolina makes sense. That'd be a good matchup at flyweight. While I think Tatiana, depending on time frame, I mean, she's not going to be able to, you know, spin up in a couple of months, 
get to a lower weight class and, and, and get to it. I'd expect maybe early to late summer. And uh, if anyone could return for pregnancy ready to fucking scrap, that's Tisha Torres. So I think you make it Tatiana, Tisha Torres in the strawweight return while Torres gets back from, from having a baby. I mean, that's some high-level women's MMA. Uh, and, and that's about, about as good as it's going to get. That would be a very, very fun fight. Moving on, keeping the heater going, we had Augusto Sakai with a unanimous decision over Dontel Mays. I saw the lines at one point, Augusto as an underdog. It was basically a pick'ems. I got him at slight underdog odds in the parlay and uh, not mad about it. Um, another emotional fight. I mean, Augusto coming in on a four-fight losing streak. Previous top 10 not that long ago when I went and watched uh, a UFC fight when Sean fought um, the hell's his name? Raulian Paiva, when the world got shocked by um, Nunez, Nunez's loss, uh, Augusto Sakai had fought, and I had picked him. He had lost, and he was in the top 10 and, and fell hard. And uh, you could tell after the fight how much emotion he had here. He wants to prove to the UFC he belongs. He's excited to get back. He thanked the entire uh, UFC brass about having faith in him, and he looked good. He won the way... Your boy broke it down for you. Put your weight on him. Put him against the cage. Tire him out. Grind him out. Look to get him down to the mat. Throw some strikes. Get some grounded pound in there. By the third round, Dantel had absolutely nothing left. I was rooting for Sakai to get the finish, but still, four-fight losing streak. To get that victory, it tastes so, so sweet, and you could see Augusto was fired up. I mean, statistically, he landed 107 total strikes, a lot of this ground and pound, so only 53 of those were significant. And he did have a takedown in two attempts. While Dontel only landed 77 total strikes, only 29 of those significant. And he was 0 for 1 in his own takedown attempts. So now, Augusto gets that four-fight losing streak. Finished, doesn't have to think about it. He starts a new winning streak. And Dontel has his two-fight winning streak come to an end. And he starts a new losing streak of his own. For, for Sakai, I would love to see him next take on Chris Dacus, another guy who's been on a skid. These guys can fight for, for momentum and try to re-enter the top 15. That's a great style fight. And for Dontel, give him Chase Sherman. Um, either way, the heavyweights clash. Anything can happen. Huge moment for Mr. Sakai. And because of the um, postponed main event, we get the young blood, Brandon Allen, headlining. But not only headlining, getting a third-round submission via rear naked choke over Andre Mooney's performance of the night. Well-deserved 50K. And uh, this is a huge, huge moment for Brendan. I, you know, as the underdog, I kind of wanted to bet him. I think I bet against Andre at least in his last fight, maybe the last couple. Bit me in the butt. So, you know, sometimes you feel irked by something like that. And I didn't bet Allen. I really wish I would have. This parlay would have been juicy. Um, but Brendan hanging in with a third degree black belt in the grappling department, not just hanging with them, getting a submission. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this kid is a real deal. 27 years old, not even in his prime has been active, has focused on his craft and has gotten better and better incrementally fight over fight. Um, stats wise, Andre only landed 45 total strikes, although 43 of those were significant. And he was 0 for 3 in takedowns. Brendan, Brendan shut him down. 
Landed 64 total strikes, 42 of those significant. He had the takedown and two submission attempts as well. So Brandon is, you know, kind of where you thought he would be after his little skid. He even moved up in weight classes, took some catchweight bouts to get momentum back. Um, but he's got a four-fight winning streak all since the beginning of 2022. So he took an L. He got better. He didn't make excuses. He got active, and he kept moving along. That's a, a great recipe other fighters can follow. And because of that, he re-enters the top 15 at number 12. Again, super stoked for Brendan Allen. You got to appreciate the game. Um, Andre has his nine-fight winning streak. Really nice winning streak come to an end. Suffers his first loss inside the UFC octagon and moves down two spots in the rankings to number 13. So where the hell does Brendan go from here? He's already been kind of thrown in the deep end, suffered a loss. But after a win like that, give him the Joker. Jack Hermanson, Brendan Allen. That would be uh, box office. Grab your popcorn. And for Andre, I think Chris Curtis would be a fun matchup. Uh, a guy who's savvy on his feet, ready to make any fight a brawl. Uh, very fun matchup. But I was just so impressed by Brendan. I think we all know what he's capable of. Was striking. He has a good clinch game, but the grappling was on full display, and this is the best we've ever seen him. I guess the guy who hasn't suffered a loss in the UFC. Nine-fight winning streak. Again, bravo, Mr. Brendan Allen. Main event, 50 racks. I'm sure he was celebrating after that. But enough of this. The moment you've all been waiting for. UFC 285. Prelims at 5 p.m. Pacific on ESPN. This is a primetime television. This is no paywall to get in on the prelims. The early prelims, UFC Fight Pass, probably ESPN Plus as well. But this card's stacked, so strap in. We're breaking down a lot of fights. There's some fun fights that we won't be breaking down early, early in the early prelims. See what I did there? Uh, but you got Kamuela Kirk versus the undefeated Esteban Rabovics who is a Dana White Contender Series alum. That's worth tuning into. We have Damon Blackshear versus Farid Basharat. Uh, the, one of the Basharat brothers, his, his brother's been killing it, Javid. He's undefeated as well, looked good in the Contender Series. And then we have Mana Martinez taking on the undefeated Cameron Samen. So some high-quality early prelim fights. We're not going to break them down, though. We are starting in the early prelims. And, and, and you're getting some ranked fighters in the early prelims, man. I mean, you cannot complain about that. I think I missed the rankings, actually, on here. I think they're ranked. We're about to find out. Let's see. Jones gone. Let's go to the early prelims. Oh, they aren't ranked. What do you know? They should be ranked. Either way, great early prelim matchup. We get... Jessica Penne, the 40-year-old fighter with a 14-7 record, taking on Tabitha Baby Shark Ricci, 28 years old with a 7-1 record. And again, this is a big-time opportunity for Tabitha. I mean, young, not in her prime, has fought some stiff competition, taking on a real savvy veteran in Jessica Penne. And this is her moment on a huge, huge stage to really... Let the fans, the casuals, know who she is. And uh, for Penne, I mean, she's taking this fight for a reason. She wants to show, show the people, especially the younger talent in the division, how it's done. I mean, she's been taking on young, young good fighters. She recently lost to Emily Ducate. Um, she's towards the end of her career. She wants to finish on a bang. You never know if this will be her last or not. 
I almost have a feeling she takes an L here. She might put the gloves in the octagon uh, kind of ordeal. Um, but Tabitha's looking ready, man. She's on her social, you know, she likes to post a lot. But, but she's looking fit, looking ready to battle. When we break it down, Jessica has a black belt in BJJ. She's got a brown belt in judo. She's an ultimate fighter, Bellator and Invicta alum. I think when I look back at where does my fandom start with Jessica Penne or my knowledge, probably in the ultimate fighter days. She's one of the original OGs. She's such an OG. She won the first ever woman's fight in women's Bellator history. She wasn't a Victor champion. I mean, she's done it all. She had the 2013 fight of the year against M Michelle Watterson. What a scrap that was. Crazy to think that was 2013. That's 10 years ago. She has a six-inch reach advantage. She is on a one-fight losing streak. Her only fight that was in last year, 2022. But she uh, is 2-0 since 2021. So hasn't been super active in her return. And eight of her 14 wins are via submission. Now, Tabitha has a black belt in BJJ. She also has a black belt in judo. She's an LFA alum. She is 2-1 in the UFC and is on a two-fight winning streak. Now, this is going to be a battle, a tough test for Baby Shark. I believe she's going to be the faster striker, but Penny is just so savvy that she's going to look to use her length to her advantage, you know, what she didn't do in the Ducate fight, and make this a messy fight. She's going to find where Tabitha has weaknesses, and she's going to try to take advantage of those. So this is a tougher fight to pick than I think a lot of people give credit for. Uh, Penny is plus 230 on the Vegas odds on the UFC website right now, which I believe is Caesars. Um, I went back and forth on who I'm picking, but I'm going to take Baby Shark. It's hard for me to want to pick a 40-year-old fighter who looked the way she has against young talent recently, and Tabitha just looks like she's ready to take that next step, but this is still a very, very tough bout for her. I think this is a three-round grind. I think Tabitha's going to get pushed in different spots that she hasn't been, but I think she's going to outpoint her, and that's why I'm taking her. I am not putting her on a parlay if possible, just too much unknowns for me there. And uh, no underdog here. We have a huge Vegas favorite. We got Ian Machado, the future Gary, 25 years old, undefeated 10-0 record, taking on Song Keenan, the 32-year-old fighter with an 18-6 and record. And really the headline here, this is a big moment for Ian Gary to shine against a solid veteran, in the biggest stage of his career, a motherfucking John Jones card in Las Vegas, and everyone's going to be tuning in to see how much he's developed and where you know what his future looks like. I got to see him fight and take an, a, a good win um, in that UFC card. I believe it's the same one where Nunez lost, and, and the fans just you can see a lot of people really don't know who he is. They kind of do. You know, he's been on the MMA hour. He wants to be the next Conor McGregor to represent Ireland, but he has a way different kind of uh, brand. Um, but this is a, it's going to be a fun one. There's lots of potential here. And, uh, Ian, he trains with dogs. He trains at a kill cliff FC. He's on a 10 fight winning streak, three and oh in the UFC. He's a cage warriors alum. He does have a three inch reach advantage and five of his 10 wins are via knockout. Now song is on a one fight losing streak. He is four and two in the UFC. Nine of his 18 wins are via knockout seven via submission so he's a finisher, man. 16 of 18 wins via finish, and three of his six losses are via knockout. So has been knocked out a few times. I do expect Ian to win in three rounds, 
I think his striking and grappling are going to be better than Song's. Song's, Song's stiffest test in the UFC was Max Griffin and Alex Morano. He, he got TKO'd by Max, lost a decision to Morano. You know, tough losses for him. This is still a good test. This would be a huge name on his resume. But I'm going with the future. I think he's too clean. He's too prepared. He's too confident. He's training with dogs. For that reason, I'm taking Ian. But with those odds, you can't put that on a parlay. But we'll, we'll, we'll take Ian for the picks. And now we enter the prelims, some ESPN action. We get Julian, the missile, the Cuban missile crisis, Marquez, 32-year-old fighter with a 9-3 and record, taking on Marc-Andre Powerbar Baralt, 33-year-old fighter with a 14-6 and record. Now, this is a fun fight. Two men in their primes. They've had success. They, they've kind of had an up-and-down career. And they're looking to keep that pendulum swayed in their favor, right? It's been up and down. They're trying to keep it down. You lose this fight, it's a real, you know, taking a real big step back in the division and the rankings and the ladder. But when we break it down, Julian has a purple belt in BJJ. He is on a one-fight losing streak. Three of his last five fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. He likes to show out. He's putting on some good fights, and I expect this to, to be another one. He is 4-2 in the UFC. Six of his nine wins are via knockout. He is a LFA, Bellator, and Dana White Contender Series alum. Now, Mark trains at a Killcliffe FC. He is on a one-fight losing streak as well. He was 1-2 last year in 2022, and nine of his 14 wins are via knockout. Some knockout specialists. Now, I really do think this is going to be a back-and-forth affair. I do think Mark is a better grappler. I think Julian's striking's better. For some reason, I feel like these guys are going to want to show they're their better strikers, so we're going to see a lot, of, a lot of boxing. I do think Julian also has higher quality wins in the UFC. This is a tough fight to pick, but I've, I've made my decision. I'm taking the Cuban Missile Crisis. Live Vegas odds right now is plus 130 on the UFC website. We're taking that dog. But again, lots of risk. I might convince myself to put it on a parlay, but as of now, we're chilling. We chilling. And then we get another great woman scrap between Vivian Vivi Araujo. I always say her name different. Araujo. Either way, 36-year-old fighter with an 11-4 record and the number eight next to her name, taking on Amanda Ribas, 29 years old, 11-3 record and the number 13 next to her name. And this is a very exciting fight. Two of the best, most intriguing flyweight women in the UFC. You know, Vivian, she's a little bit older, and she's been competing at a very, very high level recently. Amanda's just now hitting her prime. She's been a, a, a very hyped-up prospect that's, you know, suffered some turbulence. And uh, she was supposed to fight recently, was super excited about that. Now she's back with stiffer competition. The stage is set. Now, Vivian, she's got a black belt and BJJ. She has a black belt in Luda Livre. She is a jungle fight alum. She's on a one fight losing streak. She was one and one in 2022. Four of her 11 wins are via submission, three via knockout. So seven of her 11 wins are via finish. Very good for a women's standard. Now, Amanda trains out of ATT. She has a black belt in BJJ and judo. 
She is also a Jungle Fight alum and former champion. She is on a one-fight losing streak and is 1-2 since the start of 2021. She has bounced back between flyweight and strawweight, really looking to get her footing, and this is that moment. Again, though, Vivian has definitely fought stiffer competition. If she could get Amanda down, as she mostly does everyone in the division, this isn't going to be a pretty fight, and it's going to be a very, very long night for Reboss. I believe Amanda has shown a ton of growth from fight to fight. I think she's going to be too good of a striker and just a better all-around fighter than Vivian, which is very high praise. This weekend, she could seal the deal. I think she gets a decision victory. She outpoints Vivian and uh, just keeps her going because she does love to throw with high volume. But again, Vivian's a dog. She's tough. I just think that at 36 years old, you know, where is her mindset at? How seriously is she taking this? And I think Amanda wants it more than ever. For that reason, I'm taking Reboss, but I'm avoiding this on a parlay. Vegas tends to agree. It's pretty much a pick on this fight. Amanda at minus 115 right now. But moving on, still in the motherfucking prelims. We got a card, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in. It's worth the pay-per-view. We get Derek the One Brunson, 39-year-old fighter with a 23-8 record and the number five next to his name, taking on Dricus Stillnox Duplessis. The 29-year-old fighter with an 18-2 record and the number 10 next to his name. A lot of vets versus young up-and-comers. This is a very, very big test for Dracus. He had a very impressive, a couple impressive wins against Brad Tavares and Darren Till. And the challenge is that he gets a different style fighter here. He's getting Bon Brunson on a tear, battled adversity. And you already know the game plan. He's going to look to get Dracus down and tire him out. Dracus has had somewhat of a sketchy gas tank. So things are going to get interesting. When we break it down, Derek has a wrestling and BJJ background. He is a Southpaw fighter. He trains out of Killcliffe FC, has a black belt in BJJ. He even has a D2 wrestling background out of the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. He was a three-time All-American. He is a Strikeforce alum. He has the second most wins in UFC middleweight history with 14. He is tied with Silva and Brad Tavares. He had the 2017 robbery of the year against Anderson Silva. He is on a one-fight losing streak, but Pryor was on a five-fight winning streak before losing to the killer gorilla, Jared Cannonier. 12 of his 13 wins are via knockout. Six of his eight losses are also via knockout. Meanwhile, Dracus is an orthodox fighter. He is a second-degree black belt in kickboxing. Two of his last three fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. I've seen him fight twice inside the octagon. He is box office. He has a six-fight winning streak and is 4-0 in the UFC. Ten of his 18 wins are via submission, seven via knockout. So 17 of his 18 fights via finish. Now, I really expect a fun fight here. Stacked card. It's going to deliver. I just don't see Dracus being able to keep Blonde Brunson off of him. I don't see his cardio anywhere close to, although the older Brunson, but the, the more cardioed Brunson. And really the only path to victory for Dracus for me is winning via knockout. It's a tough thing to do. It's very possible. Uh, Blonde Brunson on his come-ins likes to do a kind of fury, opens himself up a little bit. Nice uppercut or knee for Dracus, possibly. And uh, 
Vegas odds here. Brunson at plus 190. Well, I think Blonde Brunson is going to keep the momentum train going, especially after suffering a loss. He's going to find a way, show the younger fighter uh, uh, what the UFC is all about. For that reason, I'm taking Derek. I'm putting him on my parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. Another big return. We get Cody No Love Garbrandt, 31 years old with a 12-5 and record, taking on Trevin Five Star Jones, the 32-year-old fighter with a 13-9 and record. And it, this is a big setup. I mean, Cody has had fights booked, injuries, withdrawals, postponements. He hasn't fought since December of 2021. He is getting a softer return fight after two straight losses. You know, he's lost five of his last six. I saw his last defeat, won some good money on it. And he was originally supposed to fight Julio Arce. It was scheduled. He got hurt. It got rescheduled. Uh, Julio pulled out. So now we get five-star Jones. And I think this actually makes for a better matchup. Looking at uh, the breakdown, Cody trains out of Extreme Couture. He has a D2 wrestling background at a Newberry College. He's on a two-fight losing streak and hasn't won since June of 2020. Ten of his 12 wins are via knockout. Four of his five losses are via knockout. So to knock out or to be knocked out. He tried to fly to flyweight, didn't work. He's sticking with at bantamweight, where he is the former bantamweight champion. He had the 2017 fight of the year against TJ Dillashaw, and he was the 2016 rising star of the year. It's been a... a Really quick ascent to a really big descent for, for uh, Cody in his career. Now, Trevin is a southpaw fighter. He has a black belt in BJJ. He's on a three-fight losing streak and hasn't won since March of 2021. And he does have a four-and-a-half-inch reach advantage. He did have the 2020 comeback of the year against Tamir Valiev as well. Now, I honestly think this will be a competitive fight. I honestly think that Julio or Trevin, this was set up for Cody to get back on track. As much as an up-and-down career Cody has, he's literally just now in his prime at 31 years old. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think he might get a knockout. I think he's going to find a way to outscore him. He's got to fight smart and not get aggressive. I think he's learned his lessons. He's changed up different coaching. He's really trying to make this work. Not necessarily the biggest fan of him, but I think he finds a way. For that reason, I'm taking Cody. I'm risking it. He is the favorite, but I'm putting him on that parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on to the main card. All that action in the prelims and early prelims. I mean, good loud. So moving on, a hype train of all hype trains, the American hype train. We got Penn State alum Bo Nickel. 27-year-old fighter with a 2-0 record, taking on Jamie Pickett, 34-year-old fighter with a 13-8 record. And boy, I can't wait. Another hype fight for the big-time prospect. Ton of expectations with Bo. They've already talked about Bo versus Kamzad. I mean, they've, it's gotten crazy. And he gets his real first real UFC affair, you know, post-contender series fights in front of the fans for the first time I can't wait. You can't wait. The world can't wait. It's about to go down. Now, Bo has a wrestling background out of Penn State. 
He is the 2019 world champion and three-time D1 champion. He is a, a Dana White Contender Series two-time alum and Icon FC alum. He's on a three-fight winning streak, all fights under a minute and 10 seconds, and two of his three wins are via submission. Now, Jamie has a brown belt in BJJ. He's on a two-fight losing streak and was 1-2 in 2022. Eight of his 13 wins are via knockout. He is a Dana White Contender Series three-time alum and a Legacy FC alum. He does have a six-inch reach advantage and a three-inch leg reach advantage, which could partake some interesting moments, especially with the aggressiveness that I assume Jamie will continue to show. And this is a good test for Bo, especially if it's a standing affair. I think Bo knows better. I expect it to. Uh, I don't expect it to stay standing very long at all. And we could see a quick submission. I thought in the second contender series fight, the transitions that he had from position to position to submission attempts was a lot better than I expected to see from him. You shouldn't be surprised. His grappling, he does have power. Hopefully he doesn't try to do get too much of an ego, show out in front of the fans because Jamie Pickett could catch you. I am clearly going to go with the American hype train, Bo Nickel. The odds are quite high, so we would not put him in a parlay. But moving on, we got the short-term fight, Mateusz Gamer Gamrot, 32-year-old fighter with a 21-2 record and the number seven next to his name, taking on Jalen the Tarantula Turner, 32 years old, with a 14-5 and record and the number 10 next to his name. Now, honestly, I think the Dan Hooker fight would have been a better fight. This is still a very good matchup since Dan Hooker broke his hand. You got two men on a tear. Gamera is in his prime. Jalen's just scratching the surface of his potential. He's in his prime, but he's not as experienced. And this is going to be a fun showdown. When we break it down, Mateusz has a wrestling background and is also a southpaw fighter. He trains out of ATT. He's got a black belt in BJJ. He won the 2014 and 2019 ADCC European Championships and placed second in 2018 and third in 2015. World-level grappling, although not the world's, still winning the uh, Europeans is very impressive. Four of his last six fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. He's been showing out, he's building his brand, and he's becoming uh, quite a hype train. He is on a one-fight losing streak, though, after an impressive four-fight winning streak because your boy, Benil Dariush, put some respect on that name. Now, Jalen has a brown belt in BJJ. He is a Dana White Contender Series Bellator, King of the Cage, and World Series of Fighting alum. Nine of his 13 wins are via knockout, four via submission. So all 13 wins via finish. The Tarantula is coming to finish. Uh, three of his five losses are also via knocked out. So he's finishing these either way, you know what I mean? Uh, he is on a five-fight winning streak. He is 7-2 and two in the UFC. He has a six-and-a-half-inch reach advantage and a seven-inch leg reach advantage. The Tarantula is long. Now, I was definitely wrong about Jalen's last matchup. I don't see him being able to, to, to stay standing in this fight, though, which is the real, the real big difference here. Now, I think if it's a striking affair, Jalen's going to have advantage. 
even the longer fighter, he might be able to get better takedown defense than I ex you expect. But to focus on a kickboxing fight like Dan Hooker to then change to a guy like Gamrot, I just don't think there's enough time for Gamrot or for Jalen to avoid the takedown from Gamrot for three rounds. And Gamrot doesn't hide his game plan. He's coming for you. He isn't looking to keep this striking. He wants that takedown over and over. I do think Jalen will show some of his moments and have a chance for the knockout, especially with this long reach advantage. But Gamrot's been fighting very, very good competition in the division and is fighting at a high level. He is only 32 in his prime. I think that's going to be the big difference maker. If Jalen finds a way, this is going to be a huge win, and he's got championship aspirations. But I'm taking Gamer. I'm putting Gamrod on our parlay. We marking that ish down, and we getting that bread. Moving on. We got Jeff Hands of Steel Neal. The 32-year-old fighter with a 15-4 and record and the number 7 next to his name taking on Shavkat, Nomad, Rachmanov, the 28-year-old fighter with a undefeated 16-0 and record and the number 9 next to his name. And really, this is similar to the last fight. It's going to be a fun matchup, no matter how it plays out. But it's another clash of st styles, grappler versus striker. You look at Jeff's resume, he did beat Bilal Muhammad, who is a great grappler as well. I think a little bit before he was as, as good as he is now. So it doesn't mean that he can't find a way, but Shavat is a problem. And he's about to show it on the biggest stage before the two biggest fighters in the UFC take their stage. Now, Jeff is a purple belt in BJJ. He is on a two-fight winning streak. Nine of his 15 wins are via knockout. And he is an LFA Dana White Contender Series and Legacy FC alum. Now, Shavkat trains out of Killcliffe FC with the dogs. He's a master of sport and combat sambo and MMA. He is an M1 alum and former champion. He won gold at the World and Asian Championships for World Mixed Martial Arts. His last two fights have been performance of the night. He, he, he's definitely put on some shows. He is undefeated. 16 fight winning streak, four of those in the UFC. Eight of his 16 wins are via knockout, eight via submission. So all 16 wins via finish. I mean, th this guy's been showing out. He's on a fucking train of just wrecking people's careers. He's only 28 years old. And it's really going to come down to the simple idea. Can Jeff handle the grappling, defend the takedowns? I don't think he's going to be able to, you know, this is going to be a lot like Gamrod. It's going to be relentless. This is wrestling-style takedowns. If I'm up on a single, you're trying to sprawl, I'm moving again, I'm going to the other leg. Then I'm going to try to blast W into the cage. If not, I'm putting you up against the cage. I'm going to try to climb your body, get a, a, a body lock under your butt, or try to keep uh, move the pipe, keep another single going. It's going to be relentless takedown attempts from these guys. If this fight somehow does stay standing, and Shavkat wants to show people he can outstrike someone, now that's going to be a fucking fight to, 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 to see. Um, I believe they're very evenly matched up on the, on the feet, but again, because of the clash of styles, it's hard to go pro, uh, against the grappler, a guy like Rachmanov, he's trying to move up into the title fight as soon as possible. And I think much like Bo Nickel, take as little damage in doing so you could last and have a long career Khabib style. For that reason, I am taking the nomad. We're putting Rachmanov on our parlay. We marking that ish down and we getting that bread. 
And now it gets even better. We get Valentina Bullet Shevchenko, 34 years old with a 23-3 record, taking on Alexa Grasso, 29 years old with a 15-3 record and the number six next to her name. And because there's so many accolades for Valentina and Bones Jones, I got to get a little bit of water, you know what I'm saying? All right. Now, Valentina. She's had a little bit of competition compared to what she's used to of late. I love Alexa Grasso. You love her story, Mexican fighter, the way she's leading the women's gym. You know, you see a lot of what she's done and to a high rise recently, and what we've seen on the uh, embedded episodes has been great. She's improved tremendously fight over fight. She's just barely entering her prime at 29. But we're talking about Valentina motherfucking Shevchenko. Can she handle that speed? She has great power, but that precision. And seeing her hit mitts and going across the world, she is literally fucking Kill Bill Assassin. I mean, we're talking Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, we're talking about practice here, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Valentina has a Muay Thai background. She's a Southpaw fighter. She trains out of Tiger Muay Thai. She's got a second Don Black Belt in Taekwondo. She's a master of sport in Muay Thai, b- boxing, and kickboxing. Has a black belt in Judo. She was the world champion for Muay Thai in 2003, 2006 through 2010, four years running, 2012 and 2014. She won gold for the World Combat Games in 2010 and 2013. She has seven successful title defenses at flyweight. She is tied with Caitlin Chukagian for the most UFC women's flyweight wins in, in history with nine. She has the most title defenses by a woman in UFC history. The motherfucking bullet. Most knockout wins in women's flyweight division history with four. The most takedowns landed, and she ain't even a grappler, in women's flyweight division history with 31 of them things. 2020 female fighter of the year. 2021 female fighter of the year. 2013 World K-1 Champion, 2007 Women's National Amateur Boxing Champion. She's got accolades for days. And to top it off, she's on a nine-fight winning streak. Alexa, and, and she's only really lost to Nunez. Now, Alexa has a boxing and BJJ background. She has a purple belt in BJJ. She is an Evicta alum. She's on a four-fight winning streak. She deserves this. She's earned this moment. She has great boxing. She can hit hard. But the bullet's just coming. The bullet's coming for you. She's too fast. She's got a mixed bag of tricks. She knows how to game plan to perfection. And when you watch her fight, it just looks such textbook. Perfect form, perfect speed, perfect plan. For that reason, well, let's see what the odds are. Minus 610. I'm picking Valentina. But those odds are too juicy for the parlay. But maybe a little finish in a certain round, two, three round finish. You never know. Would I love to see Alexa win this fight? Absolutely. You know, this would be like the Nunez loss, shock the world. I just don't see it happening. Alexa has a lot more room to get back here by the time Valentina is gone. So keep on moving. But now, the return, the main event of the evening, the motherfucking heavyweight debut by John Bones. Jones, 
35-year-old fighter, 26-1 record, although it's undefeated, the no-contest knee, we ain't counting it here. And he's taking on a savage, a guy who has shown the heavyweight division how to strike, how to move. We got Cyril Bongamin gone, 32 years old, with an 11-1 record and the number one next to his name. And it's here. John Jones fighting at heavyweight. It's going to be a striking workshop on display that we have never seen. We get one of the better heavyweight strikers the UFC has, has ever seen and the GOAT, and we don't even know what he's about to show down. But you look at the embedded, the mindset John has, the way he's talking about things. He's putting a team together, although people are knocking him on social media for having Maurice Green and these types of dudes there. It's guys that's proven that are dogfights, probably great partners, and, 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 and the people that he wants to be around, and that's all that matters. But the amount of time he has put to get to heavyweight the right way, the training, the lifting of weights, he is in a athletic family. His little brother, little bigger brother, Chandler Jones, is a fucking savage. I mean, he has put in the work, and we're about to see it on full display. Now, breaking John down. He's got a black belt in Gato Jitsu. He is a purple belt in BJJ. He has a Juco wrestling background out of Iowa Central Community College where he won the national championship. He was an All-American. He is a former light heavyweight champion with 11 successful title defenses. We just talked about Valentina's reign. John Jones is that guy. He's got the longest light heavyweight champion reign in UFC history with 1,501 days. He's got the longest unbeaten streak in UFC history with 18 He's got the most consecutive wins in UFC light heavyweight history with 13. He has the most consecutive title defenses in UFC light heavyweight division with eight. He has the most successful title defenses in UFC light heavyweight division with 11. I mean, ridiculous numbers. Most wins in UFC title fights, 14. Most wins in UFC light heavyweight division, 20. Not even that. He's got the longest total fight time in UFC lightweight, light heavyweight division history with over 5 hours, 40 minutes, and 15 seconds. And he has the most significant strikes landed in UFC light heavyweight division history with 1,463 of them things. He has the highest takedown percentage in UFC light heavyweight division history at 95%. He's the youngest fighter to win a UFC championship. 23 years old in 242 days. Um, his fight against Alexander Gustafsson's in the Hall of Fame. He's also in the MMA Hall of Fame. He was the 20, uh, 2009 Breakthrough Fighter of the Year, 2011 and 2012 Fighter of the Year, had the 2013 Fight of the Year against Alexander Gustafsson, and he is on a 17-fight winning streak. He hasn't fought since February of 2020. I was there. I should be there next weekend. And he does have a three and a half inch reach advantage and three leg, three inch leg reach advantage. He's got the new contract. He guaranteed two more fights. Ideally, he wins this. He fights Stipe. I'm going to have to go to the Stipe fight if I'm not going to this one. Enjoy it while we got it. It's about to be on display. Don't fucking blink. And usually, when you're talking about John Jones' opponents, they have decent stories. You have the Santoses, still tough fights. Dominic Reyes, Gustafson. But this guy is different. 
Cyril, he trains out of the MMA factory in Paris. He is the former interim heavyweight champion. Two of his last three fights have been fight of the night or performance of the night. The motherfucker's putting on a show at 32 years old, pretty new from kickboxing into the MMA world. And because of that, he was the 2021 Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. He's on a one-fight losing streak. He suffered his first ever loss in the MMA world to Francis Ngannou, his ex-training partner. And he just ended up wrestling because he knew he couldn't hang on the feet. He's too slow. Five of his 11 wins are via knockout, three via submission. So eight of his 11 fights have been via finish. You know, that's one of the knocks on Jones as he goes to a lot of decision victories. Now, Bodie Jones is back. He has a game plan. He looks motherfucking prepared. Now, if that game plan is to keep Cyril at distance, uses kicks and combos to get in close, this is going to be a major war. And we've seen that happen with John Jones. Now, we, we don't know how his wrestling is going to be, how aggressive he's going to want to be with his wrestling against a quick-bodied heavyweight like that. Neither guy really has to lose weight. I mean, Cyril is fucking shredded as well. But if John looks to get Cyril down... And, and does it early. This could be a quick fight. I mean, Ngannou was able to take Cyril down. If Ngannou could do it, you can't tell me Cyril Ghan is going to be that much better since that fight to defend against John Jones. John Jones has been watching that film and he talks about it on Embedded. He's probably licking his motherfucking chops. He said, I'm going to make slight work here. I'm going to let the world remember. But when you're that good, when you're a GOAT status, you want to put on for the fans. You want a legacy. You want fucking highlight you know, amazing highlight reels that can keep going. Where is John, John's mindset? Does he want to win ugly? He can win this fight ugly easy. Or does he want to do it in spectacular fashion? That's the thing we're tuning in for. And I'm so stoked to see this one play out. But Cyril is just not better than John anywhere. As good as he is in kickboxing, as good as he is on his feet, as good as he is moving around the octagon, we're talking about Bones Jones. Vegas feels the same way. He's only a minus 155 favorite. I'm hammering that. I might put a couple bennies just on that fight straight up. We taking the Bones Jones. We taking the GOAT. We putting him on that parlay, and we getting that bread. Woo, 285. What a fucking card. John Jones, Shevchenko. You got two Clash of Styles in the Shavkat Romanov Gamrot fight. Bo Nichols debut in front of fans. The once hyped Cody Garbrandt, Dricus Duplessis versus Blonde Brunson, Amanda Rebos, big moment, uh, Ian, Ian Machado, Gary, huge moment, um, Tabitha Ricci, Jessica Penne's last potential fight. What else could you want? It's about to go down. And after this, we get a decent, deep fight night card, a lot better than the past few, in my opinion. And it's not at the Apex. It's at the Theater at Virgin Hotels with a main card starting at 3 p.m. Pacific on ESPN+, Plus, headlined by Peter Jan and Mirab Dwalishwili. That's a huge fight. Peter asked for it. Can't wait to see how that shakes up. But 285, enjoy it. We'll be breaking it down next week. See you next week.